All right, we're glad to see everybody. We are running a little late. I think I'll do prayer requests and we'll pray together at the end of our Sunday school lesson. And uh, what I want you to do is, is turn to Romans chapter 4 in your Bibles. It's good to have the Zigglers with us. They get to come from a far award this week. And they, they actually uh, did even worse than that, uh, harder than that. They drove Highway 35 to get here, all the way through the state of Texas. That's a feat. It's brutal. It, I never look forward to taking that one. Nor they say it's a treacherous highway, you know. But no, you'll get there, though. And they came to see us. This is my wife's oldest sister, only sister, her only daughter, Christine, and her husband, R.C., and her two girls. They moved from Utah to learn how to study to be missionaries. They want to be effective for the Lord is what they want to do. And they have a really heart, a good heart for missions, and world missions. And people of ethnicity, they want to go. I, they're, they're praying about Thailand and, uh, and other places, right? They deal with a lot of people from India. They live in the Metroplex. So they deal with a lot of different people. And they have learned to not only love folks, but be efficient in getting the gospel out. It's called wisdom. Whatever it takes, amen? Paul said if the gospel's preached, I rejoice. Amen. All right. So turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 4. So we have taken a break from basic discipleship classes. I know the first, the first week of, of uh, April will be, we'll go back on prayer. We'll be teaching prayer and learning how to pray effectively and the importance of prayer. And then the, uh, you know, you, I hate the word mechanics of prayer, but how to pray and uh, do it properly and become good at it. We'll, we will study that. Welcome the Gillums with us. It could be, it's pronounced Gillum, but it's Gilliam, right? Good to have you. Amen. Amen. All right. Very good to have you with us. Thank you for coming. So what we're going to do today, hello, Sonia, is talk about the doctrine of imputation. Just for about 30 minutes. Uh, the doctrine of imputation. We have been looking at the different uh, areas of salvation on our times off. And we're going to do this today. We're going to talk about imputation. You know, because imputation, I always think about this. It answers the question, well, if none are righteous, which the Bible says in Romans 3.10, if none are righteous, how does one become righteous? And how can God justify someone when they're not righteous, how does it happen? It comes through imputation, obviously. And so we're going to study that today. You know, so it's interesting in saying this. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. God is just in justifying the believer. It's, it's a proper thing. He's not breaking the rules to, to justify us. He's not going around the problem. He's, he's fixing the problem. He's working through the problem, through His Son, to justify the believer. And so God does not violate one law of His of ju to justify the believer. No, it won't happen. To, and to declare us righteous. 
So justification is a judicial term where we are declared righteous. God makes an official declaration. We are righteous. We are just. We are justified. That comes, something has to happen to get you to that point. Imputation. And we'll talk about that uh, this morning. So let me say this and we'll look at some verses. If justification is a judicial term, dealing with the, the uh, judicial aspect, imputation is an accounting term to deal with record keeping. They go to, she's the best record keeper I know, my daughter-in-law, uh, I thank God for her. Uh, she's an accountant. She's, in, she's really, her favorite doctrine is the doctrine of imputation. <laughs> Count it up. Amen. All right. But God's the greatest record keeper of all, and uh, he, he keeps records. Every thought of the heart, every word of the mouth, every deed we do, God keeps it. God knows. The Bible says he will judge the secrets of men by Paul's gospel, <clears throat> which is Jesus Christ. So his books will be opened and, and all will be just. So the Bible says, in Deuteronomy 32, verse 32 through 35, that one of God's greatest treasures is His knowledge and His record keeping. He throws nothing away that is important to keep. I don't know how my dad does it. My dad keeps everything. I mean, literally everything. Every letter, every note, every... I don't know how he does it because he finds a place to put it, too, and it doesn't look too bad. His house is not overly cluttered. I don't know how Dad does that. I can't keep anything right and in order. <clears throat> I can't. I, I struggle with that. Dad just keeps putting stuff everywhere. I, I can't imagine when we pull it all out someday what we're going to find. Well, what about the Lord who keeps everything in the treasures of His knowledge? Oh, my. He says, it's laid up in my treasures. Knowledge. That man is guilty of sin. So let me give you a few statements. We'll read some Bible. And this is kind of, uh, this is a lot. I'm saying a lot in just a short amount of time. So I apologize ahead of time. Number one, God, man is guilty of sin. According to Romans 3.10, it, uh, it says that none are righteous, no, not one. And then uh, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And honestly, our life record is full of transgressions against the Lord. We, we came out of the womb being good at lying. We didn't even have to be taught how to lie. We just became an expert. And, but every sin has to be accounted for. And so Galatians 3.22 teaches that all are concluded under sin. And I do mean all. Okay? So man is guilty of sin. Sin must be judged according to the law. According to Romans 5.13 and Romans 6.23, that it's a debt we owe God and we must be judged and it's punishable by death and hell. Alright, so next, Jesus became sin on the cross and He was judged. That sin was judged on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He gave Himself a, an offering. His soul was an offering for sin. And he vicariously died for each and every one of us. Uh, you know, think, he died for all, but he died for each one of us singly. How amazing is that? And Isaiah 53, 11 tells us that he did this. He gave his soul as an offering for sin, and it was one offering for sin, never to be paid 
again, we were talking about that last night at my house, uh, discussing all the offerings of the past and how much blood ran. When, when Solomon offered 1,000 sheep in one day, how much blood? I always talk, I think about how much, how much work, how much blood, and then also how much wood it took to burn the offering. You know, there, the, some men were actually employed to go out and cut the trees down to bring the wood to the sacrificial place so that they could burn these sacrifices. You know, sometimes we don't think about that. Men were actually, they'd go from afar, you know how it is. You cut every tree down in the area, you got to go to the next area. Well, Jerusalem didn't move, and it was a mountain. They had to carry all that wood to the mount to do these sacrifices. Jesus finished it by one offering of himself, and he perfected forever us to save. So it says, he bore our sins in his body. Now, when a sinner puts his faith in Jesus Christ, his sins are judged at Calvary. And they were, they were already paid for, but it's appropriated. All right, the, the payment has been made. He puts his faith in Christ. His sin record gets put on the record of Christ. That's what imputation is. Jesus takes your bad rap sheet and paid it. He suffered the payment. He paid the debt. He appeased the wrath of God. He satisfied the judge. He did that. That's, he took your record. That's imputation. So that leaves us with nothing, really, until you put your faith in Christ, and then God gives you the record of Jesus Christ on your record, on your rec uh, sheet. So the, the, uh, the ledger book has, you know, think about this. When we get, the reason why we are just, one reason, he gave us the very righteousness of his son. We have Christ's righteousness, not our own. We'll never have our own, it's his. And we got it strictly from him, which exceeds the righteousness of the law. So in, here in Romans 4, if you look at verse 2, it says, if Abraham were justified by works, if he could be justified by works, big word if, he hath wear to glory, but not before God. Even if you were just according to the works of the law, you still can't boast before God. And, the, and that uh, righteousness that you have according to the works of the law is inferior to one who realizes they're a sinner and believes on Jesus Christ and comes to Him by faith and gets the imputed record of Jesus put on His uh, account there's your good accounting word. I have the righteousness of Christ. That's better than living the law. This is the righteousness of the one from heaven. We have His. Uh, and you can't get to heaven any other way than having the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So the believer's sin record gets wiped clean and it's not imputed unto him. This is, we'll read this here in a minute, I think. And then uh, he says, blessed is that man. I love some of these things that are said when it comes to imputation but when the sinner fails to receive Christ his choice by the way it's our all our choice our volition the will of man realizing that you need a savior if you fail to put your faith in Jesus Christ then you your sins will be judged in eternal hell fire according to Revelation 21 8 and even Psalm 130 even tells us this so you're in condemnation 
you're still under condemnation. Even after Jesus died, you're still under condemnation because you did not receive Christ as your Savior. And so, but that being said, you counted people who won't believe. There's various reasons why they don't believe, but, they, but they're going to ever, forever, bear their sins alone in hell, alone. I mean, it's on them. The condemnation never leaves. Boy, but for the believer, everything flips. The condemnation was on Christ. The righteousness, I always tell people when I'm trying to lead them to the Lord, you know, I said, if you understand what, if you would understand this, that when you believe on Christ and you truly receive Him, God takes every sin you committed and puts it on, put it on Him. He's already paid it. And you get the, the perfect record of Jesus Christ is attributed to you. And it's not just a superficial thing. It's not saying, ah, you don't deserve it. I'll put it on there just for the sake of, I, so I can have a reason to let you in heaven someday. No, He gives you that righteousness. We fulfilled the law in Christ. We did. Alright, so, uh, if the believer will put his righteousness in Christ, he believe, it, it, obviously by faith, his righteousness is imputed unto you. I'm being a little redundant here. And then your record shows... Uh, his work. So let's look here. That was all preface. Uh, imputation is basically the act of God. You know, the, 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 the simple way is to say, He switches your record. But that doesn't, that's not it. He eliminates your sin record, your tremendous rap sheet of sin since w the womb, and He puts it on Christ's record, and Jesus paid it all. Amen. And all to him I owe. And then he takes his righteous record and ascribes it unto us. And it is ascribed. So let's look here in Romans chapter 4. Looking at just the doctrine of imputation. Look at verse 20. It says, he staggered not. This is Abraham. He staggered not at the promises of God. Or the promise of God is one promise. Through unbelief he staggered not. We know that Abraham had some faulty moments. But he believed, and he staggered not. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. There it is. It was imputed for righteousness, and all he did was believe. All he did was account God faithful to, to, to fulfill his word of what he said he would do. Verse 23, now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. This is good stuff here. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. God set the laws of record keeping. God set the laws of of accounting, God set the law, you know, and even the everything God does is just. The, he, he, God made the measurement world, the, sci the measurement sciences. You can't violate those. The weighty of the bag, measurements. You, can't, you can try to cheat people, but God knows you cannot cheat an accurate, just account in any area of life. 
And God, but God kept these things. It's really something when you think about it. So, righteousness comes only through Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 4 says, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. So what I want to do here this morning is give you just some truths about imputation. I know some people don't understand uh, fully what it is. None of us do uh, understand it fully. But look what he says in verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father is pertaining to the flesh had found? This is pertaining to the flesh. Okay? Now, the, uh, the, the, the father of Israel pertaining to the flesh. It says, For if Abraham were justified by works, he had aware of the glory, but not before God. And what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. The old term reckoning. It was reckoned unto him. God did it. God reckoned him righteous. Not because he left Ur of the Chaldees and followed God. He believed. He believed. That brought the righteousness upon him. Because it says in verse 4, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. You know, anybody who thinks they're working their way to heaven is basically saying God owes them. You ever thought about that? They're basically saying God's in debt to me. Rather than I'm in debt to Him and the payment needs to be made, I'm going to put God in a place where I believe He owes me eternal life because of my good merit and my great record. How foolish it is and how impossible it is uh, that people would believe this. So let me give you some truths about imputation. Okay? Number one, Imputation comes from being persuaded. It says in verse 21 that Abraham was fully persuaded that God will perform his promises to him. He was strong in faith, trusting God to perform this promise. And so, number one, you have to be persuaded. God is not able, only faithful. He will do it. He will do it. That's the truth. You have to be persuaded. Some folks, they're not fully persuaded. They're not fully persuaded. Uh, number two, imputation comes from belief in a finished work. Now look what it says in verse 24. We believe in the finished work of Christ. It's not an, I know uh, sanctification is an ongoing work in our lives. We understand that. Salvation is not an ongoing work. We believe in the finished work. You know, that goes back to works again. Are we believing on our works to get to heaven, or are we believing on the finished work of Christ, uh, which is grace? So it says in verse 24, for, for, But for us also, whom it shall be computed, imputed, what? If you believe on Him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead and was delivered for our offenses, and was raised up again for our justification. We are believing in a past work that Jesus completed when He died on the cross and rose from the dead. We believe that. And when you do, you are, you believe in on something in the past, you're justified now. You are justified and you have imputed righteousness. Alright? Now look, we, we, we're going back to things we already read, but look at verse 3. For what said the Scripture? Abraham believed God, it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now, 
interesting that imputation, though we are saved now, I'm fully persuaded that I'm saved. I'm persuaded, just like Abraham was. Hadn't seen it yet. I'm persuaded on something that happened in the past, but imputation rests in a promise of something that's going to happen in the future based on God's promises to me that hasn't happened yet. Oh, I'm saved, but it hasn't been proven fully um, until we get there. And so there's a, we rest in a future promise of God. That's why Abraham believed God. What did he say? I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven. And, and Abraham believed him. He said, wait a minute. I'm getting pretty old here. So is my wife. You're giving me this promise. I believe. I believe. And the Bible says, I count you unto righteousness. This is before the law ever was even instituted, by the way. He says, He's accounted unto him for righteousness. God made him righteous based on believing that. If you study how many years it took for him to even get one son, you think the promise is faltering here. Now, but, you know, we say, well, Abraham did stagger. He went out and got Hagar. He went and, you know, he went and had a son and tried to, I mean, the son of the flesh. But honestly, he believed God that God would bring him this promised seed. You know, and the, you always think about this. This is a multiplies the stars of heaven. Well, Abraham, he didn't have a son. I think he was uh, 87 when his first son was born, which is Ishmael. He was a hundred years old when his second, real son, his only son Isaac, God called it, uh, was born. He was a hundred years old. Well, he had two sons. Now, I know he had sons and daughters uh, later through a woman named Keturah. But according to the seed, this promise, he only had one son, Isaac. Isaac only had two sons. You know, Isaac had a, son, a, a wife that could not bear children, Rebecca. So they had children later in life too. Boy, this multiplication process is going slow at the beginning. My, you know, and then Jacob, God blesses Jacob and he bursts forth with 12 sons and the 12 tribes of Israel commence. And, uh, you know, it's amazing though. God said to believe him and what he said, he didn't tell you the timetable when it's going to take place. But we do know that salvation comes in a moment of time when you believe and you are accounted for righteousness. Now, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. These are just thoughts concerning imputation. Imputation. Now, 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, To wit, I like that term, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, but hath committed unto us, or has committed unto us, the word of reconciliation. So basically what I want to say on this is imputation leads to reconciliation with God. It brings you back. You can't have reconciliation and peace with God or the peace of God or overcome your enmity with God until you get imputed righteousness. Once you have imputed righteousness, 
fellowship begins and you're, you are restored and you have reconciliation in him. That was the reason Jesus came, to reconcile back people back to the Father. But they had to believe on the finished work of Christ. Look, go back to Romans chapter 4. So, he, you know, he paid the debt. We, we say it all the time. Most, a lot of the songs we sing are, are, are based upon what Christ did for us in payment. You know, this world's structured around making payments. I'm in a tremendous situation right now. I make no payments on anything. Boy, it's wonderful. All my debts are paid. Uh, my cars are paid off. The only payment I have is my electric bill pretty much every month and a couple other small bills. I mean, it's a wonderful feeling. It really is. Payment. You know, th payment's coming around again. You know, these people that get these brand new cars, you know, it's going to hit you later when the payment comes in. But the payments keep pounding away at you every month. By, and you, you're still paying long, before, long after you get tired of your car. You're, you're still making payment. But, uh, hey, I'm free from payment. It's a wonderful thing when I've paid my house off and, and don't owe any more on that, on that mortgage. Uh, it's a really good day when I paid off our cars. It's just a wonderful thing. Paid off our kids' school bills. We don't owe anything anymore. It's a wonderful feeling of freedom. And blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. So look here at Romans chapter 4 and verse 5. So that was Abraham who was before the law. He wasn't under law. Technically, even though Abraham was the first Hebrew, uh, he was not of Israel. Okay? Israel didn't start until Jacob got his name turned to Israel. All right, so look what it said. Now we're going to talk about David, who is under the law. David was under the law. And what does it say in verse 5? But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom the Lord imputeth righteousness without works. My how wonderful that is. I wish people could see that. Saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Imputation results in blessing from God. You get a major blessing from God not having your sins imputed but having the righteousness of God imputed upon you instead. You get the full benefit of righteousness in this world and in the world to come. It's wonderful. And David wrote this in Psalm chapter 32. So you can enjoy the presence of God, <clears throat> all the blessings that come with it. You can actually enjoy a little bit of heaven on earth because the Bible says in Ephesians 1.3, we are seated with Him in heavenly places in Christ because we are in Christ. Therefore, we have all the blessings of the spiritual things that God gives to us. But if you go back to chapter 2 of Romans, we'll point something out. Verse 8 says, But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth. But obey, and the Bible says to obey the truth is to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Believe on Him. Okay? But He says... 
they obey in righteousness, what's going to happen? They get indignation, wrath, tribulation, anguish upon every soul that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. If you put your faith in Christ and get imputed righteousness, you get blessing. If you don't put your faith in Christ and get imputed righteousness, this is what you get instead. Indignation, wrath, tribulation, and anguish. Oh, boy, uh, those are great words. I, I want all those in my life. What's funny about the Buddhists is they're so, you know, the Buddhists are so, uh, they're against aesthetics at all, right? And they, they like anguish. They think anguish is a way to get, to get there quicker. Through self-denial and affliction, that they're going to find their way quicker, all without Christ, they'll never be able to boast before God. If it's even possible for one to get to nirvana stage, they still can't boast before God, which we know it's not possible. But what a, what a tremendous task that is to win these people to Christ. Okay, it's a reckoning term. You know, it's... it's uh, the, Young people these days, I don't think, do their balance their checkbooks anymore. It's almost like, what? <laughs> you mean I'm supposed to balance my checkbook? What does that mean? You don't even know what it means. You know, but hey, get your checkbook out and check it out and see where your money went. I like to know where every penny of mine went. Sadly, I get mad when I see. But after it's all spent, but my... I. I keep it. I, I try to do it the way my mom taught me. <laughs> mom taught me check, keep your records right on your bank account. If you spend money, deduct it, you, and then balance it when the statement comes in. And you may possibly every once in a while find that the bank's wrong. I mean, that's a rarity, they think, but it's possible. You know, and to just what are we trying to do? God keeps records. Every cent we ought to ourselves. You know, uh, it's. I think it's important. And so if you, do, if you do work your bank statement right and understand it and, and keep up with it and work it, you've got a little bit of understanding of imputation there. You do. There's an accounting going on. The Bible says there's a, we use the term, there's a day of reckoning coming. God's going to judge. Well, yeah, He is. He is. But those who have imputed righteousness... There's nothing to judge. The condemnation's gone. And it's all life and peace and, and, and blessing in Christ that we all... And so the Bible says in Romans 6, you're to reckon it so that you, this has happened to you and that your old man has died and that you're a new man in Christ. Make You account it to be so. You reckon it to be so. God already did. So what you're doing is, is you're, you are... Balancing the books of your life, you know, and that's another thing. You know, it's totally opposite, uh, off the subject a little. Personal confessing of sin and and your standing and right walk with God during the during your life. You are reckoning things. You're keeping up. If you if you sin, you make it right by confession. So let me say some things, and we'll be done. We, I'll ask you. You can ask some questions or give some comments here in a minute if you'd like. So when looking. At this doctrine of imputation, which you could spend a lot of time on this. Uh, God, only God can impute. That's one thing I want to point out. You can't impute anything. Nobody on this earth can come and impute against you. Satan, the accuser of the brethren, he can't impute against you or for you. 
Mama can't do it. Daddy can't do it. The preacher can't do it. God imputes righteousness to them. Or God imputes sin unto those who are without Christ. They are His records. He's a great judge. Uh, like even, even Solomon said, who can make an un Oh, Job said it. Who can make a clean thing out of an unclean thing? Well, God can. He's the only one that can. So, if you would... Uh, you know, think about Adam and Eve. We'll talk about this someday. Were they righteous? Or were they just innocent? They weren't proven. They didn't believe anything. They did walk with God in the cool of the day, but once they got tempted, they fell into sin and they had an imputed record of sin on them. God did the work to restore them so that these sins would not be imputed unto them, and it was through shed blood. We know that. Um, all you need to get to heaven is righteousness. Jesus said, if your righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, you're in big trouble. And they were very righteous people, but very unrighteous before God. So we, I'll, I'll, we need righteousness. We need His righteousness. Nobody else is good enough. We need the righteousness of Jesus Christ alone. Does that make, that's all I want to say. You have Him, you have it all. You have it all. So, God imputes, man reckons. That's what he says. You reckon it to be so, God's already imputed it. We take God's truth and we reckon it so in our mind. That's why you have to be persuaded that these things are true for yourself. Jesus is my payment for my sin. He is my only way to heaven. He's my only hope. I will believe. And I'm fully persuaded He will keep that which is committed unto Him against that day, which is my soul. And what uh, <clears throat> I'm done. This doctrine excludes boasting completely. There is no boasting of men. I write. We. I love this. I keep talking. Our righteousness is not of an earthly origin. We didn't get it here. It came from heaven. We have the very righteousness that came from heaven because it was brought down by His Son. I, I can't say this enough or stress it enough. You have the very righteousness of God Himself. We have that in Christ. 